Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I am Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Common Spice Celebs. And welcome back to another week. Hey, Jewel. Hey, Em. <laughs> Oh, full disclosure, you guys, I had a long fucking weekend. You had a long uh, weekend. <laughs> I had a long weekend. Oh, God. I'll just quickly, really, the only reason I'm saying this, like, I'm going to be totally fine. It's just for sake of transparency, and I think I'll just feel better if I just get it out so I don't feel like I have to pretend. Obviously, as you guys know, my dad is like my favorite person in the entire world, best friend, etc. And you also know he had two heart attacks and he has AFib and on like midnight on Saturday night, Sunday morning, he went into AFib and it was just me and him. I was fucking stoned. I was like convulsing. It was a whole thing. His, his, his heart rate ended up getting, you know, going down. His blood pressure ended up going down, but he'd forgotten to take his pills three days in a row. It was like a whole situation. And so yesterday was just a lot of crying and <laughs> I'm fine now, but I, today's like the first day I feel like I can breathe in 24 hours. So, um, uh, I don't think I'll be off, but I guess I just wanted to get that out. I know it's like more personal than we normally get, but it was weighing on me. <sighs> How do you feel? I feel fine now because I will, I didn't even tell you this, but when I woke up this morning, he was on the treadmill. Like, I think he's trying to just prove a point to me that he's going to take it more seriously, but he was doing bicep curls and he was on the treadmill and it made me happy that it seemed like he was taking it more seriously. But, oh, Julie. Literally after this, I am calling my therapist. That's my first call. I know you are. I know you are. We'll do this. We'll get through this and, and then you can go. <laughs> oh, everything is good. And Julie got to see her little grandparents. They were so cute. I love them yeah. so much. <laughs> I love them. So anyway, I mean, they're the cutest things I've ever seen in my entire life. I can't even handle it. I know. Anyway, we have... I don't know. I think it may be a long episode. We'll see how it goes. Oh, um, before we, yeah. 
Before we start, though, as you guys know, every week we are highlighting a Black-owned business, and I personally am really excited about the one from this week. So there's this woman, her name on Instagram is Jade Purple Brown. Her Instagram, just in general, to follow is great, and her website is jadepurplebrown.com. And she's an artist and an illustrator, and she does these very colorful prints that kind of have almost like a 60s fashion vibe. And if you go on her website, you can buy her prints, but she also has a book. It's called Words to Live By. And it's basically a book of 50 illustrated quotes by 50 amazing women. I love this woman's stuff. Like it's very vibrant. It's really like the type of stuff that would be great for a beach house or just the type of piece that makes your room happy. I know Isabel bought the book. I bought the book. It didn't come yet though. It's like a great coffee table book. So definitely check her out. I think, I just think she's a great follow and also great to purchase from. So I wanted to highlight that one. And thank you again, Isabel. She's really good at finding. She just always finds great stuff for us to shop. So she also found this one. <laughs> I miss her. Isabel is good at her job. I'll tell you that much. Okay. There's some heavy stuff this week, but that's okay. We'll get through it with grace, I hope. So the first thing we wanted to talk about was Crystalia and what is happening there. I also should give um, a trigger warning for sexual assault and pedophilia. So basically what happened was last week, a series of allegations came out against Crystalia. The first one was a woman named Simone and she tweets, I still can't believe Netflix cast Crystalia as the pedophile in the season of you like the literal irony. Imagine getting owned by a 16 year old. She then posted screenshots of her email exchange with him. Imagine being 16 and being groomed by a stand-up comedian twice your age and the only reason you never met up and never got physically molested was because you had just gotten a boyfriend your own age. Someone else then tweets, Although I've been publicly saying it for years, fuck Crystalia. He solicited nudes off of me when I was 17 years old and constantly messaged me whenever he was touring Vancouver and asked me to come backstage at his shows. I'm so unsurprised that multiple girls are coming out with almost the exact same story as mine. It's a known fact he's a fucking perv and he plays those roles perfectly when acting. Someone else. Fuck you, Crystalia. You solicited news for minors while you were in Vancouver and tried to fuck my friend when we were 16. And when I called you out on Twitter, you told you you told her you'd ruin her if I didn't delete it. Absolute pedophile scumbag. So this comes out, and I guess for about two days he didn't say anything. He then releases his statement to TMZ and says, quote, I know I have said and done things that might have offended people during my career, but I have never knowingly pursued any underage women at any point. All of my relationships have been both legal and consensual, and I have never met or exchanged any inappropriate photos with the people who have tweeted about me. That being said, I really am truly sorry. I was a dumb guy who absolutely let myself get caught up in my lifestyle. That's my fault. I own it. I've been reflecting on this for some time now, and I promise I will continue to do better. Then, you know, I think everybody was kind of waiting for Whitney Cummings because not only are they very close friends, they also, I think, like a brand association almost. Um, they've done a lot of work together, obviously her show, Whitney. And a couple days later, she posted on Instagram, it's taken me a couple days to process the information I've learned about Chris. I'm devastated and enraged by what I've read and learned. This is a pattern of predatory behavior and abuse. The abuse of power is enabled by silence. Now that I'm aware, I won't be silent. Girls should be able to be a fan of a comedian they admire without becoming a sexual target. It's the adult's responsibility to be an adult. Okay, let me just first say, I was really disturbed reading all of these because the similarities between the accounts was overwhelming. And the, you know, all of these women had, which again, you believe women regardless, it's not screenshots or not. That being said, the screenshots they showed, I thought made it even 
uh, more disturbing uh, because of the age and because of his kind of willingness and lack of regard for their age. Don't you know? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, well, that's the thing that was so interesting also is that, you know, people, people were tweeting in defense of him. And I saw a lot of this, a ton of this. And, you know, the idea that people would rather believe that this comedian they like is innocent versus believing people who are coming forward, showing their receipts, show not, and again, not that they had to, showing their receipts, showing the similarities between their interactions, which is not a coincidence. Like when you see similarities and patterns of behavior between people that are coming out and their stories about a person, like that's no coincidence. That is, that is what they do. It's I'm, I'm reading Catch and Kill, which is the book about Harvey Weinstein. And each person's account that they came out with talking about Harvey Weinstein was they were shocked by the similarities of each person's story. And these people aren't, you know, these people aren't texting each other and conversing before putting out a story. This is their own account. And when you see them start to match up like that, there's a reason for that. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty disgusting. Um, and I, I really say I really mean this when I say like do this at your own risk because it's disgusting and also infuriating. If you go deep in some of these Twitter threads, the men and it's really mostly men that will come forward with these elaborate conspiracy theories to disprove these women's allegations. I don't know if you saw some of the ones about Chris, but it's like you know no clearly these women knew each other like making up. And it's like, you have it right in front of you. And it's, they, they would so much rather go, go to these absolute lengths to not believe him and to, and to be able to put this man on this pedestal that they have admired for so long. And it's really sickening. It really is. I think, I think this guy is a serious problem. I mean, I, this was an abuse of power. This was clearly a interest in young women and children, really. I just, this was gross. Like I have nothing to say other than this was gross and absolutely unacceptable. And I think, you know, from what I saw, a lot of the, I think a lot of other male comedians are starting to like check themselves. Do you think that's a fair way to put it? Yeah. And I, well, listen, I think that the abuse of power is also coming to light in terms of male comedians and Possibly, and I don't know this for a fact, but there's also the possibility of other female comedians knowing about this, not, you know what I mean? But I think that this was a a story that broke. And I think now there are other things that are going to come forward. And we've seen, you know, different clips that have come forward of male comedians laughing about, you know, exploiting their, you know, their power, using sexual advances to give women in comedy power. And, And these Twitter threads that you're starting to see, and there's so much power in the internet and being able to expose these things. But the thing that's the craziest thing to me is people are pulling up clips from, you know, old podcasts that were already posted. It's not like they're coming up with, you know, stories or posting their own accounts. These are men that are talking about their own stories willingly and putting it out there. And people are now going through that. So it's not like, it's not like everything that we're seeing is different allegations coming forward. It's people who are putting themselves out there. Oh, I know. Well, that's, that's always with, with, you know, all of this type of stuff that at the time, regardless, and I'm not just talking about with sexual assault or with rape or 
specifically issues, you know, under, with this regard, really whatever it is at the time, if it isn't taken as seriously societally or culturally, people can get away with it. And then when you have a lens a couple of years later that is so much more refined and clearly holds people accountable, then people start to go back and recognize how crazy it was that this stuff was even okay to be said so freely. I mean, it's different and I'm not comparing the two, but it's similar to the fact that Stasi proudly went on you know, spoke very proudly about calling the cops on this woman a couple of years ago and no one batted an eye. And it's not until now we are in this massive conversation about race in America and things are changing when this, you know, became a red flag. It's just, it's very, you know, it's, it's interesting the way that society kind of dictates what is quote, okay, in the eyes of the public, even if the action itself was never okay, you know? Well, the other thing, and I was talking about this, I think last night when I was, when I was saying it was that when you put out content and you're a certain, you know, person, there's so much of your fan base that's only paying attention to what you're saying. And there are a reason that they are your fan base in the sense that like, they don't bat an eye at the things you say, because they're already so desensitized to anything that's coming out where they think that either a, it's normal because they are a fan of yours and you're saying it. So therefore it's not bad. Um, I think they think that if you're posting it freely or talking about it freely on a podcast, then it's not bad because otherwise you wouldn't be saying it. Or they themselves just don't find an issue with it. So they don't say anything. And that makes up a huge fan base and a huge listener base, if not the whole listener base, when it's going out there. So those are the people that aren't batting an eye at it. But when something comes out about the person or something comes out about the situation and other people with a different lens go back and listen, that's when these things get figured out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Fan bases that it's hard to break those things down. Yeah. No, no, no. Exactly. It's almost like it operates within its own little kind of echo chamber. You know yeah. what I mean? Yes. When it's just, and, and yeah, it's, it's really unbelievable. There was also um, a video that I, I obviously can't show you guys right now, but where Chris was on some podcast and they were talking about some scenario about how, I, I don't even know exactly what it was about, but these people were talking on Snapchat and I guess the girl saved the messages. And he was like, what do you mean? Like it was on Snapchat. I thought that disappears. And they're like, oh no, you can save it. And you, I'm sure most of you have seen this, but if not, just Google this video you see his face so immediately switch to sheer panic. Like you can see the gears turning. You can see him being like, oh shit. Because according to a lot of these women, a lot of his exchanges were done on Snapchat uh, for the purpose of, I'm sure, you know, it disappearing and anonymity and stuff. And it was a very telling clip I felt. Did you? Oh, you can watch the gears turning in your head. And I said that to you that I thought that was one of the most telling things about the whole situation was his use of Snapchat because to me it's not just like your messages disappear like I it was confusing to me in that clip that he didn't know that at all but like think about Snapchat like yeah the messages disappear but that's not the only way you can get them you take one other phone and take a screenshot and there you you have it I thought the Snapchat part was so interesting also was because that's how teenagers communicate And his knowledge of that and him using that platform that most men his age don't use to communicate with people their age, I thought was incredibly telling. It was like he went down to the level that he knew he could communicate with them with. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I also think that, you know, in terms of his statement when he said everything I did was both consensual and legal, like, I mean, there's so much wrong with it. But the other thing is... In some of those messages, it wasn't like, you know, he very clearly recognized their age and then kept it going. So what is your defense there? It's almost as if he is discounting the entirety of the proof. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. It came across as this, like, this massive sense of entitlement almost, you know? Yeah. I was, I was actually really surprised at a statement because I, I thought it was awful. I thought it was terrible. I thought that, first of all, you can't discount evidence. Like people are coming forward with stories that they have that all match up, receipts they have of you, email receipts, Snapchat receipts. Like you can't discount evidence. And to say that like, you know, every girl was legal. When you're using legal in these terms or in your own terms, like you're using it as a technicality. If you're paying attention to what state is legal and of what age, like there's the, you're, you're, you're grooming them. You're doing something incorrect. Like there is clearly a pattern that you're exhibiting here where if like you're saying like technically they were all legal, like, yeah, maybe that's a gray area for you. But when you're really looking at the situation, that's not a gray area anymore. That's you exploiting mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, uh, it was just creepy. And I'm very curious to see what, what continues to happen in terms of the trajectory of his career. I really am because, and I hate to say this, I'm just being super honest. Like we have seen this stuff come out and then absolutely nothing change. And I wonder if we're in a climate now where things will be taken more seriously and free passes won't be given, but also I don't know, you know, like I don't, I don't want to be, I don't, of course that's what I, I hope that he gets what he deserves. But also I, we've seen this happen so many times when there's just this really strong core fan base that isn't going anywhere and doesn't care. And I'm curious to see what happens. Aren't you? Yeah, very. I think also it's really like one last thing that I'll say about this. I think it's really interesting and also important that these conversations are happening around the same time as the police brutality conversations. Cause one of the most important threads and things I've seen throughout this whole movement is people talking about, you know, their experience dealing with the police when they had to report their rape or their sexual assault and how unbelievably unhelpful and detrimental the police were on a lot of cases to their story and their reporting. And I think that those two things happening at the same time is incredibly important and people sharing their stories about, you know, I did go to the police and this is what the police told me. This is why rapes and this is why sexual assaults are so underreported because people are scared to speak out and when you see people's replies on twitter attacking people for speaking out people see that and they take that into account and it, it then prevents other people from telling their story and it's so detrimental so i think the every single aspect of this is important to discuss in this moment right now because it all relates together i totally totally agree with you um you know and going off of that i just wanted to mention a lot has been happening in the last 48 hours or so, and it's kind of been a little bit scattered, but allegations via Twitter also came out against Ansel Elgort, which he denied via a statement, and also against Justin Bieber, which he denied with a statement and a series of receipts kind of explaining his whereabouts. And the initial tweet from the woman who accused Justin Bieber have been deleted, uh, but her name was Danielle. She alleged that the event took place on March 9th, 2014. We're not going to read both her statement and his responses because it's honestly just too long for the sake of this episode, but we initially saw it on PropCrave. I think you can still find it there. What we did want to get into a little bit, just because people seem to be really confused, and honestly, we were too, but this is regarding Cole Sprouse and the cast of Riverdale. Basically, what happened was on Sunday, one woman came out with allegations against Cole Sprouse, And then multiple other women, you know, replied to that tweet saying, 
Also, I was abused by Lily Reinhardt, KJ Apa, Vanessa Morgan. I guess what ended up happening from there was users traced back these multiple people's different IP addresses and it was all coming from the same address. Someone then tweeted, I'm sorry to the Riverdale fans. The accusations going around are false. The person creating them is a Cole Sprouse fan who wanted to prove that anyone can lie on the internet. I told them not to do it because it discredits victims and they told me to shut the fuck up. Cole, Lily, they kind of all came out just denying the allegations and also saying how they take these things really seriously. And this type of attention-seeking behavior that is rooted in no truth kind of really is doing a disservice to the real victims that actually undergo these traumas. And, you know, it's fucked up because it does show how quickly this type of stuff can spread. And at times it can be false, just like anyone can have malicious intent, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, that's one of the biggest things that I think we all need to take away from this is that Yes, there are situations where people lie. They lie for a time. They lie for any number of reasons. But you can't use those situations to discredit victims. And I think that that is something that everybody has to keep in mind. Because if you are willing to, you know, take Cole Sprouse situation or take somebody else's situation that isn't true or that you don't believe in order to say that somebody else is is lying or somebody else is not telling the truth or another celebrity couldn't possibly have done this, like. It's so incredibly unfair for you to take that situation and manipulate it to your own agenda. I completely agree with you. No, I completely agree. It's just, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's, that's and it's so incredibly case. unfair in the same, you know, in the same, you know, side of it. It's so incredibly unfair for you to lie about something or to make up something just to prove something about the internet or to prove something about yourself or whatever, because if, you, if you're not going to think about the celebrity in that situation, if that's not enough for you, think about other victims that are going to be affected by, you know, what story you're putting out. Well, that's exactly what I was just going to say. You know, it's one thing for the celebrity, which also is an unfortunate circumstance for them to have to be in, to have to deny something that didn't take place if that it is the case. But for so many other people, and I say women, but it's men and women, men can be victims of sexual assault as well. Absolutely. And you know, and, and, and it's just so unfair because I think it makes, especially when, when actual victims see the response, I think it's then, you know, can provide at least what I was reading, just so much fear in terms of coming out in the first place, because there's this, you know, the more people that lie about it, there's more of this air of disbelief. And it's just an unfortunate situation all around. And I just, I don't know, this was a heavy week for sure, you know? Yeah, definitely. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. 
Go to astroproallergy.com for a discount so you can astropro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astropro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. I wanted to quickly, there's, this isn't really news, but I wanted to just talk about Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox for one second because, I mean, I don't know, like I am living for this. I always thought that Brian Austin Green and Megan Fox were a really hot couple, but since she's been, whatever she's been doing with Machine Gun Kelly, Julie, I'm so weirdly into it, you know? I texted you that the other day and I was like, I'm saying this right now and I'm saying it unapologetically. I think that Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly are a hot couple. I think they no, are I like, a hot couple. Yeah. No, I think so too. And they've been seen, you know, around a lot recently. And then he Instagram storied a picture. I guess they were having like a kind of picnic and he wrote in love. And I'm sitting there like, oh my God, you're in love. Like, holy shit. You know, like I, I'm getting giddy. But the thing is like, isn't everyone in love with Megan Fox? Like, couldn't anybody post Megan Fox and be like in love? And it technically would be true. I know. No, I know. It's, it, I think he is probably like, this is the craziest thing ever. You know? And you probably can't believe it. It's probably the same thing as like, again, because they're also best friends of Pete Davidson, Ariana situation. It's, it's, it's similar vibes. Doesn't it feel that way? Yeah. Like he definitely was like, oh my God, I literally used to jerk off to Transformers all the time. Now I'm dating her. Like, I, I, I want, listen, and, and my heart definitely does go out to Brian because I can see, I think that he, you know, from what he said, I think he thinks that there was a possibility that they get back together, which you know, I'm not discounting that that could happen, but she seems to be really smitten. Again, it could just be temporary. It could just be a change of pace, but I want whatever's best for both of them. And sometimes that means it's not together. I don't know what that is in this case, but I just want her to really be living it up. And it seems like she's doing that. And I could not be a happier, Julie. Same, same. Could not, could not. Okay. The next thing that we wanted to briefly talk about was regarding Chelsea Handler. It happened last week, but We haven't had a chance to speak about it on the podcast and it was important to us. So Julie, I'm going to let you intro this one. So Chelsea Handler had posted a video of Louise Farrakhan and Louise Farrakhan is a political activist, but he is also an incredibly well-known anti-Semite. So Chelsea Handler posts this video where Louise Farrakhan is basically explaining why white people are so afraid to confront their own racism. And in that clip alone, you know, if you're watching that video in a vacuum, it does make sense. But the issue is, is that the other rhetoric that he continues to speak on regarding Jews and also a lot of anti-LGBT rhetoric is so extremely problematic. So when she posted this video, multiple people commented, they were like, listen, I know this video seems fine out of context. I think they gave her the benefit of the doubt in the beginning that she didn't know what she was posting. And they said, listen, I know, you know, (laughs) this video contains whatever information you're spreading, but you should also know this about him. And multiple people commented this. And the longer that she kept it up, the, the more people were frustrated by the fact, because I think what happens is that when you post something like a video of Louis Farrakhan, Out of context, when the video is just pertinent to the situation, you know, if you don't know anything about him and you don't know anything about his past, you know, that's one thing. But to keep it up with that knowledge, that's purposeful. And that's when I think people started to have a really big issue. And instead of saying, you know, I I had no idea about this, I'm just going to take it down, 
Chelsea Handler continued to reply to comments, you know, either excusing Louis Farrakhan's anti-Semitism or saying that, you know, she was going to keep it up because, you know, out of con, she chooses to look, she chooses to look at, you know, the good things that he says instead of the bad. And, you know, I think I should read, I think I should read those comments because they're very jarring. Yeah. Let, me, yeah. let me just supplement this by reading. I'm just going to read a couple. So someone comments, I believe in Black Lives Matter, but you lost all credibility when you started posting videos from anti-Semitic hate preachers. You know better than the fringe right-wing supporters you loathe. Hate is hate, and by supporting Farrakhan, you might as well be alt-right. She says, well, you should stop following me then. The message in what he said in that video appealed more to me than the ugly side of him. Someone else comments, so based on this logic, if you find a video of Hitler saying something positive and powerful, will you feel equality? Will you feel equally compelled to share it? You gave hate credibility on a large platform today. And she says, no, because Hitler was responsible for killing millions of lives. Farrakhan is just responsible for his own promotion of anti-Semitic beliefs. They are very different. She then says, another thing, perhaps Farrakhan's anti-Semitic views took from his own oppression. We know now, we know now that oppression of one race leads to an oppression of all races. This was disgusting. I'm sorry, this was disgusting. What he was actually saying in the video, I can understand in a vacuum, you know, furthers the message that she's trying to spread, but the two cannot be, the two cannot be looked at separately, you know? No, and this is what I was saying to you about the situation is that Chelsea Handler has, you know, made her space a space of activism. And I'm not trying to discount the work that she has done in that area. I think that she has really dedicated herself to this cause and to understanding white privilege and to, you know, explaining Black Lives Matter. I'm not trying to take away from that. But the, I think that if you're going to make your space a space for activism and for people to go as a resource and people to you know, you're asking people to trust you and trust the information that you're putting out. If you're putting out information that has other problems associated with it that people don't know about, you're spreading hate because people are now looking at your page and they're saying, okay, Chelsea Handler posted Louise Farrakhan. That's somebody that we can trust because we trust Chelsea Handler and we trust her opinion of people. And meanwhile, Louise Farrakhan has multiple quotes, you know, praising Hitler for bringing Germany from the ground up and, you know, referring to Jews as termites. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And, you know, if you're, you know, there are so many people that you can post and so many powerful quotes from this time and so many powerful people with such amazing messages that for you to pick somebody that has such a problematic past and such, and, and not a past, it's just present too, and such problematic rhetoric. It's like, you are basically saying to your followers that like, you know, I understand this guy offends you, but you're really not the followers that I care about offending right now or not offending exactly. right now. Like, exactly. what the fuck? I completely agree. And I want to, I really want to make sure that I make this very clear that I, because multiple other celebrities posted this in, initially and people fuck up. Like, as much as you try to vet your content, sometimes you see something, it's powerful in the moment you share it. I would never fault someone for that initially. I get it happens. But to double down in the way that she doubled down and basically literally say, I get that he had anti-Semitic beliefs, but also, to me, there's no but also. If you reverse it, I don't think, I'm sorry. It's not like, I just, I, I found that to be really, really, really uh, not okay. And like, I feel like you and I are the last people to get kind of offended by this type of thing. That's not what I meant. I just thought it was in really poor taste. I really, really thought it was in poor taste. 
it was. And I think that it was deeply offensive. I think to double down and say that like his non-anti-Semitic side speaks to you more than his anti-Semitic side. I mean, could you imagine if we did that with every single person, if we just took the good side of them and ignored the bad? I mean, you could apply that same logic to anybody. I mean, what, what's the difference, honestly, and I'm, I'm not just saying this, what's the difference between that and Chris D'Elia fans saying like, well, I really like his comedy and that side appeals to me more. Right, exactly. Or I really That's like the movie and that side appears, appeals to me more. Like uh, you could apply that logic to any situation. It's ridiculous logic and she knows it. And she also, again, as somebody who's an activist, would never apply that logic to a different situation. Mm-hmm. It was fucked up. It was, it was, it was the wrong move and people fuck up and I don't, I understand that I'm not like, I get it. And she ended up deleting the video. I was just appalled at the way that she doubled down. I actually was appalled that someone as intelligent as her, who is speaks so proudly and so vocally on um, issues of oppression would be so willing to support someone like this continually. You know what I mean? I mean, the only reason she took it down was because she got so much backlash. She had no intention of taking this down. It was taken down two days later as she, as she continued to get backlash for it. And I have to say that one of the things that actually honestly offended me most about the situation was that it's, you know, it was one thing to post it. It was one thing, you know, to double down. I have to say something that really upset me was that I saw this news story posted practically nowhere. You know, celebrities, every single thing they do becomes a story but Chelsea Handler like runs with anti-Semitic rhetoric and there's not one people article, not one us weekly article, not one e-news article. No one's writing about it. Like I saw a CNN article. I saw those articles, but like in terms of the pop culture vessel to examine that where, you know, Chelsea Handler fans are going to look, no one wrote about that. Yeah. It's so, it's very alarming. I know it's very true. It's interesting to see the way that the, the media portrays these type of things, you know? Yeah. It's very, it's very interesting. I thought that was, yeah. Let's move on to someone who just, we can take a breath of fresh air, which is Beyonce. Julie. I just took a breath. Like I just felt my whole body calm down. I know. Why don't you tell us what happened? So Beyonce dropped a song called Black Parade. And the, you know, purpose of the song was not only in support of the Black Lives Matter movement, but also in support of black businesses. And she had posted on her website Along with the song, she had posted multiple Black-owned businesses that you can support and posted something about, you know, it was on Juneteenth, she posted and said, do you want to read it? (laughs) Happy Juneteenth. (laughs) Happy Juneteenth. Being Black is your activism. Black excellence is a form of protest. Black joy is your right. Black Parade benefits Be Good's Black Business Impact Fund, administered by the National Urban League to support Black-owned small businesses in need. And by the way, two of the businesses and organizations that she highlighted on her website, which are ones that we have spoken about, which is Gilded, The Body Brushes, and The Loveland Foundation. And I was so excited for them that Beyonce put them you know, on her huge platform. And I said it last week, and I will say it again, body brushing when done religiously seriously works. Also, gez and and Ashley Benson guys are like becoming a couple because you know, of course, they've seen, we're seeing them at a dinner. They were seeing a dinner uh, at different restaurants. And now she apparently took him as her date to her sister's wedding. Did this give you, and I'm not saying it's the same level of extremity, but did Tyler you- Tyler vibes? Tyler Tyler Cameron at the funeral vibes? I was waiting for you to say that. Like a little bit. And not in a, not in a, uh, I don't mean that negatively because I think like you can take someone to a wedding that you don't even know well. 
You know what I mean? Like a funeral is a month. Inappropriate as the funeral, but like it gave me the same like vibe. For a second, because it's not like it's some random wedding, it's your sister's wedding. And you would think that if you're surrounded by your entire family, you want to bring someone not only that you're very comfortable with, but also that you feel like you don't have to kind of babysit. Like it's a big honor, whoever you choose to bring to your sibling or your family's wedding. And I, I mean, I don't know, like I'm into it. Listen, if she's happy, I'm happy. I don't care at all. I just, I'm, I'm interested at the, at the trajectory of this couple. I wonder if <laughs> when Gigi and Dean asked Tyler Cameron to come to their grandmother's funeral in the Netherlands, they realized that it would be the one reference that was caught. Like, do, do they realize how referenced that event is? She had no idea. I'll tell you, if she even knew how referenced the entire relationship would have been, I don't think she would have done it in the first place. I think she felt like it took a hint, it hit at her credibility in a way. I know that may sound weird and that's not any sort of shade towards Tyler. I think he's a great, obviously very handsome guy, but I think that Gigi got caught up in this like world of reality television stardom that she had wanted to have no part in. Uh, you know what I mean? I almost feel like this one little thing. When she was on a reality TV. <laughs> Yes, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like I, in this in this bachelor drama that I think she was just like, I'm I'm a fucking supermodel. Where you know what I mean? Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. I I'll never get over the funeral. I think about it probably once a week. Once a week. Also, I can't believe that happened. Someone wrote this in Patreon, but I was thinking the same thing. Someone was like, "Did you guys forget that Gigi Hadid was pregnant?" Julie, I fucking I fully forgot about it. You want to know why I forgot about it for a second? Because when those pictures of Sophie Turner came out, and I was like. Oh my God, this needs all of my attention, a hundred percent of it. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, but I, I kind of hit me. I'm like, oh my God, there's going to be a little, like a little baby Gigi. Oh my God. I can't wait. I can't wait. I know. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. We haven't spoken about this in a while, but this was interesting. And I feel like a lot of people may have missed it, which is why we wanted to highlight it. So... Angelina Jolie did an interview with Vogue India where she spoke about Brad and her, their children and her humanitarian work. And we wanted to read a couple of the quotes. Okay. The interviewer says, you have three adopted children, Maddox, Pax, and Zahara, and three children by birth, Shiloh, Vivian, and Knox. What are the most important things to consider when raising adopted and biological siblings? She says, each is a beautiful way of becoming family. What is important is to speak with openness about all of it and to share. 
Adoption and orphanage are positive words in our home. With my adopted children, I can't speak of pregnancy, but I speak with much detail and love about the journey to find them and what it was like to look in their eyes for the first time. All adopted children come with a beautiful mystery of a world that is meeting yours. When they are from another race and foreign land, that mystery, that gift is so full. For them, they must never lose touch with where they came from. They have roots that you do not. Honor them. Learn from them. It's the world's, it's the most amazing journey to share. They are not entering your world. You are entering each other's worlds. Um, the interviewer says, after choosing to separate from your partner and children's father, actor Brad Pitt, how have you sustained a healthy, healthy environment for your children? She says, I separated for the well-being of my family. It was the right decision. I continue to focus on their healing. Some have taken advantage of my silence and the children see lies about themselves in the media, but I remind them that they know their own truth in their own minds. In fact, they are six very brave, very strong young people. Oh, I, I love when we get an interview from Angelina. Not even like I am some sort of diehard Angelina fan. You know that that's not the case. Like I like her, but I, if I'm choosing a side, it's always team Jen and Brad, even though that's not really a thing right now. I love hearing her speak. I don't know what it is. Well, I, yes, because I, I so agree with you because I feel like I like all three parties involved in terms of Jen, Brad and Angelina. Like, I don't feel like with, when I'm discussing them, I have to choose Jen or Angelina. Like I would prefer Brad right now, get back with Jen if I had to choose between the two of them. But I think Angelina on her own is such a powerful figure and such a powerful person that when you hear her speak, it kind of stops you in your tracks. I completely agree. And also it's because I think it's the effect of you know, the, the mystery of her. She's not on yeah. social media. We very rarely get this type of thing. And so when she speaks, it's just more interesting because of the infrequency with which we get it. I also think the line about when she was speaking about, you know, having adopted children and biological children, when she says uh, regarding her adopted children, they are not entering your world. You are entering each other's worlds. I think that is such a beautiful statement. Yeah, me too. Me too. Like, I think she has made it a priority to honor their cultures. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, listen, I don't know her personally, obviously, but it just seems like she's a really good mom. Oh yeah, definitely. I've always gotten that feeling from her. Always. She's very dedicated. I'm, she's very dedicated to her own kids and she's very dedicated to genuinely like the world and their kids and whatever. Because if you read the rest of the interview, there's so much humanitarian work that she does that I think people sometimes forget about, but she's so knowledgeable and so educates herself and does the work and, and goes to these places and does what she can. And I think it is incredibly admirable. I completely agree. I really do. Also, what we quickly wanted to just mention was TikTok because TikTok... You guys, since we left you last week, I don't even know what has been going on. Not only did Addison dye her hair black and is making her, you know, TikToks in Kourtney Kardashian's closet with her and they're like new best friends. Noah Beck is in the Sway House. TikTok fans fucking like wrecked the Trump rally. I don't even, Julie, TikTok is taking over the world. The Trump rally thing is probably the craziest thing that's ever happened. Yeah. So to anybody who's unaware, basically the way that Trump's rally in Oklahoma worked was you had to reserve a ticket and it kind of expressed your interest. You didn't have, that didn't mean that you had to pay for it. It didn't have to say you were definitely coming, but it was kind of showed that you were planning on attending. Is that a fair way to put it? Yeah. And basically there was this thing that was going on on TikTok, which we all saw. If you're on TikTok, you saw this on your For You page, but I didn't recognize the extent of it where basically 
liberal teens on TikTok were going on, reserving their ticket, reserving their interest, and then not showing. So basically giving the Trump campaign a false sense of inflated interest, which then they're expecting, you know, the arena to be crowded with 19,000 people plus overflow from outside and they end up getting 6,600. And it was kind of like an online revolution that happened with not only TikTok, but also with K-pop stands. And a lot of people, a lot of articles I saw kind of explain it as like a very powerful form of political activism without any real harm. It was. You know? I, mean, I have to say that watching them take the overflow area away because no one was there was one of the greatest joys of my life. I have to honestly, mm-hmm. it's so funny because you know, we're watching this all unfold on Twitter, you know, before we recognized any sort of TikTok or K-pop involvement, we're watching it unfold on Twitter. And, you know, they're starting to report that attendance is way below what had been originally reported, where Trump was saying, and listen, we all know his capacity for over-exaggeration, but where Trump was saying that they had, you know, almost a million, you know, ticket requests reserved. And that's why they, you know, the need for the overflow area and, and, you know, the arena was going to be filled and the arena itself, not even half filled. The overflow area, not a single person, they had to take it away. And I texted you and I said, you know, do you think that there's any chance that this has anything to do with TikTok? And we were all kind of like, that was my original thought too, but there's just no way. Like, it just seems so illogical. And then you start to see like, you know, different people tweet about it. And then I saw AOC tweeted about it, you know, in terms of TikTok. And then MSNBC was reporting it. New York Times was reporting it. And we were like, oh my God, like this worked. Like this worked. People did this. And if you look at, we we had posted a tweet from Chris Clemens about, you know, his reaction to it. And I think Kelty commented and said, you know, clap if you did this too, because she had said she did it. And like 400 people on just our, you know, post alone had said that they had done it. No, it was the craziest thing that real, it's like, nobody wants to say it. Even just with our little group chat with me and Isabel, nobody wanted to mention like, could this be because of TikTok? Because at fear of sounding like a fucking idiot, honestly. And then when it starts to come out and we're all like, wait a second, you guys, I don't think that's the craziest thought. And it was this very almost like surreal sense of feeling like you were on the inside of a revolution. Not because I personally didn't reserve tickets, but I watched these kids do it for a week. Like I was watching on my For You page these videos of these kids kind of conspiring and you, you viewed it as a joke almost. And then when it actually took into action, I was like, wow, this is really powerful. And I think I need to take a step back and like recognize the power here in addition to just like the humor that kind of comes with it, you know? Yeah. And it's so funny because something that I've seen a lot of is parents on Twitter saying that they went to go tell their kids what happened and their kids were like, yeah, of course I reserved a ticket already. And I think that was the first, you know, I think that was the first, one of the first tangible examples of, you know, you may not be old enough to vote, but you're definitely not too young to make a difference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was huge. I saw someone tweet and they're like, I went to go talk to my 14 year old son. We live in London. And he said that he had reserved tickets. Yeah, no, absolutely. Not only the power of like everybody's individual power, regardless of age, but also I felt like for certain parents, it was acknowledging the like cultural and societal impact that TikTok is having. And I know that sounds stupid, but I think so many can kind of just shoo it off as like the stupid dances that my kids are doing, which in a lot of cases it is, but also there's real power happening here, you know? 
Oh, and I, I say that all the time about TikTok because, you know, I think this was the first time we've seen it in action, but this is what I was saying, you know, a couple of weeks ago was that I've learned more from TikTok than I had in 12 years of public education. And I can't emphasize that enough because I think that it is such a powerful platform because there are so many layers to it. Like, yeah, you have really some of the funniest shit I've ever seen. You have all of these dances. You have friend group drama that you're watching unfold like a reality show. And then you have genuine political activism from kids who know what they're talking about and putting action into place. And it is all in one app. And to me, that's unbelievable. Yeah, but you know what's interesting, Julie? It's like, why, if you look at what's been going on in terms of the petitions being signed regarding Black Lives Matter and all of the resources that have been shared on Instagram and how Instagram in so many ways has become this hub for sharing information and has become one of the reasons that so many of these petitions have been able to get the signatures they needed or so many, so much money has been able to be raised. Like we regard Instagram as a social media tool with very legitimate resources for change. So why, it's just interesting that there's like this shock that comes with it when it's TikTok, where it's like, we have thought of Instagram as this for so long. But you know, remember, it took Instagram a while to get to that place because we were looking mm-hmm. at Twitter like that. And then all of a sudden Instagram started posting things and it took people a really long time to understand Instagram as a legitimate platform and as a platform for businesses and as a platform to make a living off of. And once we finally understood that, TikTok came. And now we're struggling to understand, you know, the power that TikTok has. And it continues to happen. And I think that a lot of people have this assumption that when a new social media platform pops up, that it then puts the other one, you know, at risk of being obsolete. And I don't think that's the case. I think that, you know, all of the platforms that we're working with have a very specific purpose. And especially during this time, like to us, Facebook is, you know, nothing. But to adults that use Facebook primarily as their sole source of social media, the reach that people have on Facebook to, you know, share information and change political opinions, especially in that age group or influence political opinions or educate political opinions is invaluable because that's an age group that's not being reached through Twitter, TikTok, or Instagram. Oh, completely. I'm the biggest believer that all three, if we're talking Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all four, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, I I hate this competitive aspect that people try to associate with them. I think they all are so brilliant in their own ways and I wouldn't want one to exist without the other because what I'm getting on Twitter, I simply am not going to get on Instagram or on TikTok and same, you know, for all the others. So I, my favorite is when they all work kind of in harmony with each other. And I think that is the best. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I just... I'm the first one to say like, no guys, let's all give them, let's give them all a chance. But quickly, just on a couple, on a couple of little TikTok dramas that I want to talk about because I just can't get enough. I think Nikita Dragon and Tony Lopez are like definitely fucking. I know they haven't explicitly, they haven't explicitly said it. They say like Takita, they say, you know, best friends forever. They're clearly touchy with each other. They're wearing each other's necklaces. But like, I would like to go on record and say that first of all, they're a hot couple. And second of all, I think that it's like happening and I'm feel very lucky to witness this kind of, exploration exploration of this romantic relationship. So I'm here for that, number one. Um, also, you know, Addison and Kourtney Kardashian is crazy. Like, it is fucking crazy. A couple of months ago, she was just this TikToker on the rise, and now she is very much in Kourtney Kardashian's inner circle, in Kourtney's bedroom making TikToks with Mason, and in Kourtney's closet making TikToks with Kourtney. Like, that's a big fucking deal. And I think let's just like take a moment, take away any jealousy aside. This girl did it. She did the damn thing. She got to Kourtney Kardashian's closet. And you want to know something? I applaud her. 
I applaud her too. And this is what I said to you, which I think is actually the funniest thing, is that I think of every single aspect of Mason Disick's life, maybe, maybe, except for Kanye being his uncle, I think that this is the area, like the friendship with Addison, the proximity to Addison, is the area of his life that his friends are probably the most jealous of. And I'm not not saying that. I think that genuinely, like, if you were to take all of Mason's friends and be like, if you could have one thing from Mason's life, they would all say like, I would want to be in a room with Addison. It's. I literally think that's so true. I think they're like, oh yeah, fuck him. Like, yeah, like, like yeah, no, Kim Kardashian being being his aunt's probably in there in the eyes of like a 13, 10, 13 year old friend seems relatively insignificant. But comparatively, is like, oh my god, like that is the biggest deal in the world. If if you're a thirteen year old boy, if you're a thirteen year old anything, if you're a girl, like that is the biggest person right now. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty remarkable. It's very interesting watching this evolution. And also, I just wanted to say, for those of us messaging, yes, I saw that Noah Beck is at the Sway House. Yes, I am loving every second of it. I know last time we got some comments saying when we were talking about how Jaden and Josh left and people were like, well, you didn't mention the whole them getting arrested for pot in Texas and Bryce taking the fall because Josh could get deported, et cetera. I don't know too much about it because it's not like Josh has come out and said that side of the story. Clearly, he's not going to... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? He's not going to, when you make yourself guilty. Incriminate. What's the word? Incriminate. Thank you. <laughs> I, told you was, I told you it was a rough day. Uh, he's not going to incriminate himself, but yeah, I definitely, I have so many thoughts in it. Also, I really prefer Bryce's hair brown instead of black, but whatever makes him happy. And there was a couple of other things that I wanted to mention, but I also am a little bit afraid because I, I could go on for this for so long and it's just, it's really just embarrassing. It really is. I don't think it is. You know what trend I really like right now? Which one? The With the three people where they all say one thing. Oh, I love the ones that do with their dogs. No, no. Hood baby. Hood baby. Yeah, you know that one? That one. Yeah, no, I know. I love it. I, I wanted to do it with my dad, but I just know he'll get so disoriented and confused. Can you try for me? Yeah, I'll try for you. <laughs> Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainor, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Okay, Kardashian recap. It is fucking lit. You guys ready? So, first off, Travis buys a new house in Brentwood. $23.5 million, 16,700 square feet. It sits on top of a hilltop. It has panoramic views of the entire city. It's seven bedrooms, 11 bathrooms, three floors, very kind of contemporary, very modern. It has a 20 car garage. There's the penthouse floor, which has two junior master suites, an owner suite with dual closets, spa style bath, expansive balcony. I am, I just, I can't handle this house. It's not necessarily something what I would want, but it is exactly what I would envision for Travis. There is an entire recreation and entertainment area. There's a gym, sauna, 15 seat theater, a wet bar area with a temperature controlled 650 bottle wine closet, outdoor kitchen, poolside cabana, dining decks. There's a 75 foot infinity pool, swimming pool, game room. I mean, 
I know I sound like I could be on a million dollar listing right now because I was blown away by this property. Again, not that I would want it, but God damn, this is Travis Scott's motherfucking house. Is it not? Are Kylie and Travis just trying to buy every piece of like cool real estate in Los Angeles? Like, yeah. Like that's clearly houses. Like at a certain point, you just start collecting them. Yeah. I mean, that's what Kim and Kanye did. I think you just start to really build your real estate portfolio and he was not fucking around with this one. I feel like the thing that Travis and Kylie are doing is that like, they feel so constricted because of traveling restrictions during Corona that they were like, let's just take vacations to different places in LA. Well, you know, we'll yeah. go to Texas, we'll go to the house in Brentwood, we'll go to the other house in Beverly Hills. Like, <laughs> they're just going, and that's how spread out LA is, by the way. And that's how much it like sucks getting around that like, you could go to each three of those different places and feel like you were in a completely different state in every one of them. I... I swear to you, and I know that those of you that live in, in LA can attest to this, and it's not, it's really not a negative. It's just like an experience that I was totally unaware of before we started going to LA. Like, I, I swear to God, if I spend one day in like Malibu and one day in West Hollywood, I feel like I am in two, like you're saying, I feel like I have two separate vacations. Like, I, it's, it's such an unfamiliar feeling in New York because there's nowhere in the city that you can't get to within 20, 30 minutes tops. And the fact that these things, like, I remember we'd go there for the first time and people were like, are you crazy that you're going to have a meeting in like Venice and then a meeting here? And we totally didn't understand the layout. And it really is so true. It is so spread out. It is so fucking spread out. So I think you're absolutely right. They're basically having two different experiences. By the way, it is a negative because you know how I feel about LA. And I think, and you know what? If you're in LA and you're offended by this, fuck you because I know you're lying to me right now because everyone says it. It is what? the most poorly planned city in the entire world. Who the fuck planned LA? I, you know, I always say this. It was like they gave each person their own plot of LA land and they're like, do whatever the fuck you want with it. You guys couldn't talk to each other. You guys couldn't plan like a general vibe for the whole city. LA is literally seven different cities in one. It's like, you're not LA. You're just all different areas. Stop calling yourself LA. You can't tell I know. Me that Beverly Hills and Malibu are the same thing. They're not. I know. I love it though. I stop because this is when the more you say this, the more you're going to get. You and Isabel are going to conspire together to make us go there less and to make us not live there for three months. And I want it to happen. So I don't want to go there less. I just want people when they're making a city to be smarter about it. That's all I ask for. You know. I know. But- I, I, I could go on forever. Like I literally, it's like one of those topics that like people know not to get me started on. And I have like so fucking many of those where they're like, please don't bring up this around Julie because she, she won't shut up. And LA is one I of know. those. <laughs> I know, I know. And I don't like to bring it up because again, I feel like it, it totally dis- discredits my argument in terms of the beauty of being there. But I just think, I just think there's, it's a unique place. It really is a unique place. And I think that we need to spend more time there in order to fully evaluate it. I absolutely love going to LA. I absolutely love a thousand million times more living in New York City. Also though, the other thing is that we are lucky because it's not like we're the ones driving when we're there. You know what I mean? We don't rent a car. So it's a lot less stressful for us to be either with my dad or to be in an Uber than to be the ones physically driving. I think I'd have much more of a problem with it if I was the one that had to be on these the highways, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Also, a clip from Keeping Up with the Kardashian came out where Kim is talking to Scott about Tristan. And she's like, he's honestly so nice. And Scott agrees. And he's like, he made mistakes, but I feel like he's trying really hard. 
And Kim goes, he's trying really, really hard. It's been a full year of him as a different person. And Scott goes, to be in that place and feel like everybody in the family that he just had a kid with hates him would be a horrible feeling. No matter what, he's still within the family. Which, unsurprising, because we've seen Kim really warm up to him, I think, in recent episodes. And also just on social media. Yeah. So I am... I am fully prepared for when Kardashians comes back for there to be this like acceptance of Tristan. And again, like if they are happy and Chloe is happy, we're happy. We're obviously not going to be the ones to be like, no, fuck him. Don't let him in. They're happy, whatever. But I'm, I wouldn't, I'm not as trusting, I guess is all. Yeah. Duh. They're, they're gearing us to get that. They're getting back together. There's that's what's happening here, but you know what? Listen, I'd be lying if I said that this was going to be, any sort of detriment to me watching Keeping Up the Kardashians or rooting for Chloe or paying attention. Like, listen, I'm prepared to get hurt again. That's all I'll say. Yeah, you have to be. When you follow this family, you better be prepared to get hurt, you know? Absolutely. I also would like to say, I'm just going to say it, okay? You know, for Father's Day, everybody, I thought everybody in the family handled it really respectfully, really well. There were shout outs to all of the fathers, Caitlin, Rob, Tristan, everyone. And what I want to focus on is Courtney and Scott. Not only was there a picture of her wearing his flannel, which someone specifically sent to us being like, I need to make sure you saw this. We saw it. I, guys, call me crazy. I don't care. I am feeling it in my blood they, something is brewing. Something is brewing. When she posted like grateful for, you, uh, you know, grateful, grateful for you and our children, not just like grateful for our family. I'm, I don't know. I'm not looking, I don't think I'm looking too much into things. I think that I'm telling you this feeling that I have, I'm prepared to get disappointed. I think something could be happening. You guys, I really feel that way. I think a lot of people feel that way. How do you feel? I don't know. I think it's too, I think it's too soon to, to say something. Would you be shocked? No, not at all. I wouldn't be shocked by any means, but I I think that it's too soon to say, you know, something's happening or they're back together or that that flannel means, you know, more than what it does or that that Instagram post about him being a good father, you know, wishing him a happy father's day or being grateful for him means more than it does. I'm not willing to go that far yet. No, I, yeah, you're right. And I want to be clear. I'm not judging it based on the Instagram post or based on the flannel. Those things just help my argument, but I don't think, I think she would have posted for Scott regardless. He is the father to her children. I'm just saying those definitely helped my growing fantasy of them getting back together, which as the days go on, I think is becoming less of a fantasy and more of a potential reality. So to any of you who are like me, I just want you to know I'm not losing hope and I will keep the hope for all of us. So anytime you're feeling defeated, just know that I, somewhere in this world, am rooting for them. (laughs) Okay. That was the perfect (laughs) way of saying it. Thank you. I also want to tell everyone that uh Courtney no that <laughs> sorry I just are you good no no I'm not I just I, I can't I literally just panicked I just heard the power throw no no I heard I heard a noise downstairs and I just like panicked but I my dad's fine I'm, I'm on edge you guys I'm on edge I really fucking went through it you have no idea I was literally convulsing when he was having these heart palpitations but anyway I'm fine um, I wanted to say two other things. Number one, Kim is dropping a podcast. She has an exclusive deal with Spotify for a podcast coming out about criminal justice and her work. I cannot wait for this. The fact that every single one of them doesn't have a podcast is an outrage, quite frankly. No? Oh, I so agree. I so agree. 
I'm really excited for this one. And I also am excited because I think in an effort to share her story more and hopefully not her story, but the stories of the people that she's advocating for, and hopefully she'll, she will bring some of those people on, you know, podcasting is great because a lot of people that don't want to watch, you know, a video or feel like they don't have the time can do podcasting while doing other things. So hopefully it will get that message across even more, which I think is a really great thing, you know? If you could pick any two of them, and there's a right answer to this question, by the way, don't think that this is like an open-ended, there's a right answer. If you could pick any two of them to do a podcast together, who would you pick and who would it be? Oh, shit. Kim and Chris, Kim and Kylie? No, it's Chloe and Scott. Oh, well, for yeah, for like to fuck around, yeah. Chloe and That's Scott, a good answer. If you could have a parent of that whole family who would be the most, like the best podcast together who out of them should have a podcast it should be Chloe and Scott. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. I guess I'm saying like in, if depending on the content, like depending on what I'm going for, like if Kim and Chris wanted to do a business one, I'd be there all day of the week, you know? Yeah. But like, we're, listen, I know us very well. Like we'd love to say that we'd be there every day of the week, but like we would be there much more for Chloe and Scott fucking around than Chris and Kim trying to, you know, explain business to us. Yeah. You're not wrong. I know. You're not, not wrong. I never am. That's the point. I never am. I also wanted to mention that Kendall and Kylie are dropping their collection for Kylie Cosmetics. You know, it's like, what the fuck? Of course this was happening. Like, why did we, why did it take, I'm, 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 I'm like almost surprised that it took so long, you know? Is this the first, there's no way this is the first they've done. With Kylie Cosmetics? Yeah. That's so crazy. I know. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. The shoe was insane. The shoe was insane. Insane, I know. This is the kind of thing where like, I wonder what it's like to be, like I'm never someone that's like, oh my God, I'm going to buy it. I'm just not buying it. But I am excited for the people that I know are going to buy it and then are going to talk about it. Because I want to know what it's like, but I'm just not going to be the one to actually buy it because I just wouldn't use it. But you know what I mean? Like I'm excited for the vicarious excitement that I'm going to feel when certain people in our Patreon group post it and talk about it. Yes. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Kardashian, TikTok, otherwise? I gotta say, I think we covered a whole lot this episode. I know, what happened? Like, literally, what happened? I, I've been telling you, Julie, I feel like I've been in a blur. I know. Just, <laughs> things will be back to normal on Thursday. I apologize. For, well, you were great. I'm talking about myself. You were fine. We all have our days, Rachel. If you didn't say anything, no one would know. You think? I don't know. Like, no one would have thought you were off 100%. I don't know. Okay, well, I love you guys so, so, so much. And we will see you on Thursday. I'm really excited. It's an amazing Kardashian recap, which we haven't done yet, but we're going to watch it tonight. And um, love you guys so, so, so much. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. 
Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada, yada, yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.